this is an interesting episode today because two things. I have an incredible comedian on, Greg Fitzsimmons, who, um, if you don't know the name, you'll recognize him when, when he's on. He happens to be Nick, my opener's uh, favorite comedian, one of his, his favorite comedians. Uh, and so you're going to see in this episode that Nick happened to have a reason to show up here because he had our recorder and just happened to come in at the same time. I mean, it's bullshit. Speaking of bullshit, welcome back to the show, Mr. Bullshit himself, Stephen Kenna. What's up, buddy? Why am I Mr. Bullshit? Because you you quit and then you left. And then yesterday you were supposed to record the same day that I had Greg here. And then you, uh, you, you, I called you like, Hey, you ready to record? You're like, Oh shit, I'm an hour away. And I called you again. You're like, and you sent me to voicemail. You set yeah, up a time. Yeah. So now you're back. Can we, um, first of all, interesting shirt, cho- shirt choice. You and I That's are pretty funny. much wearing the same. That is funny. It's weird. Um, can, the hat, do you need to wear the hat oh, or is yeah. that? Okay. Is that better? How do you like that? Woohoo! Okay. Squeaky so, clean. Alright, we've got a few uh housekeeping things to go through. Um Dude, re- Steve oh, really good to be here. I've really missed the podcast. Yeah. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that I forced this. Some guy said, Stop having on guests and just have Steve. Exactly. Said, well, maybe said, I'm just said jealous one person. of all the guests and you know, I just wanted to be you and I. Is your camera like set? It looks good to you. The positioning yep. of it. Yep. Okay. I look. So and then you know you're you're, you're supposed to have the iPhone next to it so that your eye line is pretty much. But it feels like I can't like you're, find my thing, so it's gonna look fucked up today. Sorry, bro. Just when you talk to me, just look at the camera so people. You know what? I'm trying to. Why do I care? Why do I even? I don't even know why. It doesn't okay, matter. So Listen, I'll. This house, is the first week back. Housekeeping. I have my shit together housekeeping. next week. Yeah. Yeah. So, together. stop having your, can't, your your podcast stuff in an office that you never go to and just bring it to your house that you're always at. No, I'm going to start coming to the office more. Great. <laughs> so, the fight the fight continues. Yes. Um, so, the okay. fight so, rages on, bro. Okay. Really quick, I have a few things to talk about. We're going to get into our guest real quick, but and then you and I will talk for a bit afterwards. Um. You were going to come out to my uh, show, my 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 TV special that I shot in Anaheim. That if people haven't seen it, hopefully you see it on on TV. The edit's almost done. We'll start shopping it around. It looks phenomenal. It looks amazing. It looks. It sounds. Everything is better than I could have hoped. And that I and my problem has always been and doing things that I set the bar too high for myself. But in this situation, it worked. Um, and so uh, with Steve, it fails. But Steve, you were supposed who to come says, and be on the who show. Who says you set the bar too high? Where, where does that come from? I, I mean, well, maybe, maybe you get high at the bar. I, I don't know. Someone, oh, that's hilarious. You know, it's like in order to, this is a saying, in order to succeed, you must first lower your expectations. That is bullshit. That's horseshit. That is. That's how you're gonna keep. That, that's how you're gonna keep yourself in a rut. But a lot of people live by that, and people have told me like, "Oh, stop expecting this to be amazing. Stop expecting this to work." You know, your Kickstarter for for a hoodie is not gonna do very well. You know, and then those are the losers that are gone. But um, wow. because what is this judgmental Thursday? What's going on here? No, you've kind of sent me, and you're drinking a Seven Eleven coffee. That's amazing. Dude, um, so only only the best. So um, you were supposed to come out there. You you did say on my announcement, on my podcast, and I'm going to play it right here so people can hear it. My TV special, which we're shooting at the brewery, B-R-U-E-R-Y, down in Anaheim. And I was going to ask you this anyway. Are you are you coming to that, that, that filming? Uh, you think I'm growing this beard for my health? Come on. You, of course I'll be there. Really? Yeah. Okay, I don't know. That's it. That was you saying that you are going to do the special. You were growing the beard. Yeah. Growing out your hair and, and, and everything. And then you FaceTime me and you had no beard. And now you have no hair on the top of your head. And But you FaceTime me with no beard. I'm like, dude, where's your beard? We got the specials in two weeks. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. 
True or, true use, or false? I when I'm when I lie, I you just let me know. I didn't use that voice. I didn't say. It's just, listen. You know, in, in, I, in my defense, in my defense, that's the voice that I use for you when I talk on stage. What an asshole! <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's and, the voice I use for my dog. And by the way, uh, tickets for my new tour are on sale right now. My Longer Than Life tour uh, tickets at zanelamper.com. But if you want to come to a special show. And Steve will not flake out on these two shows. He will be at the Salt Lake City show, yep, May 18th. Uh, which is on like May, May 18th. And he'll be at the Richmond show. Do you know the date of that? June 25th. Mark, can you look that up? So we, we give up, right? But you think that's about right? June 25th? Yeah, Saturday, June 25th. Yeah, just go to zanelabber.com. You can pull it up. The the uh, Yeah, so anyway, Steve is going to be at those shows. I'm excited. And the show will be slightly different than a regular show. It'll be very Steve content heavy. Dude, I am going to sit on the stage next to you. June 25th? He was right. Okay, Saturday. Saturday, June 25th. Wow. May 18th, June 25th. I'm going to sit on the stage, bug the shit out of you, and probably fuck up your whole show. It's going to be fun. No. No, you're not. First of all, you don't have the ability. A, you don't have the ability to fuck up my show. B, my shit is so tight. My show is so tight that you're not... Anyway. That I probably should have used a different. My <laughs> show is so dialed in yeah. that no, that, I think your shit that, is tight, bro. It's tight. that <laughs> you're you're not going going to want to interrupt because you're going to want to sit there and be at the edge of your seat hearing these stories. That's yes. where the show is right now. No, I'm not. So gonna, so I'm you're going to love it. Going to mess you up. And so I'm going to. I know you're I'm not. I know you're not. You're going to awe and just clap and laugh. You, you're you're going to love it, and you're going to shake your head because there's half the show is Steve stuff. And don't think that because it's Steve stuff, it's like not the best stuff. It's the best stuff. Oh, it's the best God. stuff. I'm actually kind of dreading it now. Maybe nah, I won't be there. You will. You just, you'll just have to go to your meeting the next day and, and cry about the show the night before. You, you found out some, some new things that happened. Oh, my God. All right. We're, we have some other things to talk about. Uh, for Right now, check out this uh, interview with a... a Honestly, a legend and and the comedian's comedian, Greg Fitzsimmons. Oh, hello. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pleplius.com. That's P-L-E-E-P-L-E-U-S dot com. <laughs> um, all right. This is Greg. You you want you want to introduce him to Tulip? She's got she's got fucked oh up feet. God. We we rescue. We have an animal rescue, and we get all the all the ones that need something, have something wrong with them. And both her front feet are turned inward. Does she walk okay? She hops like a little rabbit. Yeah. Oh, she they, does. they call them kangaroos. She She's Aww. missing her uh, radius, radio. This one of the bones right here. Uh huh. Well, now because now we're started, so I have to show. So now you're in it. Now you're on the podcast. Yeah. Now you're out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Here, just come hand me the cat so I can show people what we're talking about, and then we're gonna. Okay, fine. Mel has not put on her makeup yet. Can Nick? Oh, this is how Nick tries to get on my podcast. Exactly right. God damn it. I knew it would work one day. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to show this camera. Yeah, yeah. This is Tulip right here. Oh, look at that. Tulip. Don't, get sad. Don't be sad. Don't be scared. It's okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Aww. Now I'm the jerk. Sounds like a bird. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Which, by the way... What did my wife bring home the other day? A fucking hawk. Really? Yeah. There's two ladies at some pet store, and they're like, kind of like talking. We rescue, so she's like, "What? I, I I rescue animals. What do you have?" And they're like, "A hawk." And Mel's like, "I'll take it." So she brings home a hawk for two days, and then brings it to the Malibu Wildlife Center. We bring stuff there all the time. So you have a truck or something? No, 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 no. Just all kinds of different shaped, sized carriers. Yeah. Um, all right. So we did an introduction with. Uh, my buddy Steve, who's, okay. who's an idiot. So we've set, we've teed you up. Nice. Um, and so this is this is a little bit selfish for me of why you're here. Yeah. Um, and you came from the over the hill, which I, which again, if I knew, we could have zoomed. Really? No, no, no. no. <laughs> oh shit! You just, you just got excited. How long did the drive take? Yeah. Thirty hours. Was it no, an hour? Well, it wasn't bad. It was like thirty-five minutes, and I'm listening oh to a, a great audio book that's kind of like reaching toward near the nearing the end. Okay. 
So, so you're almost excited to get here, but you're also excited to leave and listen to the rest of the book. Yes, it's it's a, it's a biography of Mao Zedong, and he is really uh, yeah, and he is just the most evil. Like you talk about Hitler, yeah. Hitler pales in comparison to Mao. So many millions mm-hmm. of people, mm-hmm. hundreds of millions of people died mm-hmm. under Mao. Mm-hmm. And then Nixon went over and, you know, made peace with them. And like, they bought the whole hook, line and sinker that they were putting out that this is like a... What, what year What year was his, his reign? Uh, the 1960s? The 50s, for, well, 40s, 50s, 60s. I met somebody when I was over in, in China... And this sounds like something I wouldn't say, but I'm going to say what they said. Yeah. And she said, there's this culture in China where if you're getting products made, so I've had products made there. Yeah. And if you're like, hey, can I have it by uh, August? And they say, yes. And they know they know that they're not going to get it to you by August, but they would rather say what you want to hear mm-hmm. rather than the truth. And it's this generational thing, she said, because people got used to being under Mao's rule. And you just had to say how amazing he was. And if you didn't, and and your friend heard, then he would ha- that person would have to report you, and you would get killed. But if your friend got reported to, to, that didn't report you, then you'd both get killed. Like it was this yeah. crazy thing where everyone was just like, "He is amazing. He is the best." And then he is the best. He is the best. Yes, he's the best. Why would you say, "Yo"? And it was just like, is yeah. that is that kind of summing it up a little oh, bit? Oh, there was a guy named Lin who was his second in command, who was his like partner. And Lynn started, like, he, he would do these purges, and he felt like it was healthy to purge, and whether or not it was the artists or it was the professors, like, a pr- lot of analogies to what's happening right now in yeah. the right wing of this country with what happened with the communists in China. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, you know, professors are evil. Uh, it's all misinformation. It's, it's like, it's it, that's medieval, right? Yeah. Where, where science is, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so... Anyway, so this guy Lin was about to be purged, and he, and he knew he was, and so he rounded up his family. And this is like the second most powerful guy in China. And by the way, to put it in perspective, this is probably what, like the 50s? No, this was like uh, 1970 about. Okay. 69. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, sure. So just it's just that it was closed off, and we, yeah. we had no way of knowing what was happening. Right, okay, right. Yeah. And so he rounds up his family, he lines up a plane, they're going to go to Hong Kong, and uh fucking daughter rats him out daughter goes down the hill to the troops and goes my family's planning on leaving and um, they and they got uh i don't know did he get killed no he didn't get killed for it but it's actually shocking that he was not killed for that wow yeah and the only reason he wasn't is that mao had killed so many of his leaders there was none left there was a vacuum and he needed people that knew what they were doing to wow, help him run the country that's crazy it's the only reason he didn't get killed did they get into the actual like psychology of it too? not at all that's the one thing about this book that's lacking is like he is clearly i guess a, a sociopath where he feels no guilt right he was constantly sort of like uh accepting losses like he would say you know, with the, um, you know, like when they tried to do, uh, 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 what do you call them? The farming, the, the um, you know, communist farms, okay. collect, collective farming. Okay, yeah, right. He's like, yeah, we'll probably lose one out of four people. And they took all the money that they made from grain. They shipped all the grain abroad because Mao wanted to be a nuclear power because he wanted that power himself. So he let 20,000 people in 1960 died. I'm sorry, 20 million people died in 1960 from starvation so that wow. he could try to buy the technology. From starvation, too, which is not oh, like a fast one. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yes. And they bounced back quick, didn't they, <laughs> population-wise? Yeah, they did. They came back strong. <laughs> I was down there. I was I was there in a place called Guangzhou. Which Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So, me neither, which is amazing because I can tell you, I'm going to look it up so I get these facts uh, accurate. Um, and it was a population of uh, 19 million people, and which I had never really experienced. And so, I was like, uh, I was going to go to, to Fujo, and I'm like, where's Fujo? They're like, oh, it's a small city to the north. And it's small, yeah, because it only has nine million people. Wow. And so, if you look at a list of like the largest cities in the world, um, it's like 
I think there's, if, if I, I might be quoting it wrong, but it's pretty close to this. There's like uh, uh, 50 cities in China bigger than our biggest, biggest cities. City. Like it's wow. just, it's an, it's just, it's I know, astounding... I, I actually, until about six months ago, thought that New York City was the biggest city <laughs> in the world. I really <laughs> thought it was up in the top three. Ago. I was like, it's got to be top three. I think it's like, I think there's a hundred cities uh, in China that have a population of over two million and we have like four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And the uh, the irony of that is no, our cities with the most people have yeah. giant Chinatowns. Yeah. If do. it wasn't <laughs> for do. the Chinese people in the cities. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, the... The fiftieth largest city in China has seven million people. That's number fifty. All right, that's a rabbit hole. Damn, but, that, but that's fine. And New York City is what about twenty million? No, no way. No, I'll, I'll see it. Let me see. Uh, largest cities in the world. I just want to see where we are. I'm going to new one. Largest cities in U.S. And it was funny what I hear about what a big city L.A. is because it's like, where is it? There's no, like when you're from, because I'm from New York. Yeah, it's and then spread out. It's so spread out. It doesn't feel like a... So, okay. So remember this, the stat I said about China. So yeah. before I was I was making it up, but I think I was close. So now just understand that right? The, the 50th largest city in China has 7 million people. 50th largest city. Okay, here's our, here's our biggest populations. New York, 8 million. LA, 4 million. Chicago, 2 million. Houston, 2 million. Phoenix, 1.7. Philadelphia, 1.5. So you're already down to wow. the sixth largest here at 1.5. Now, you don't amazing. know where the spread is, right? The suburban population, yeah. too. But it, it gives you an idea. Yeah. You, if, you know, if you assume that they're like measured the same. Well, you see why Hollywood goes to China with their scripts. Then and you they see say, well, why, you approve this. You understand why. Did you see John Santa apologize in Chinese? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you understand what, what the dynamic was? Well, look what happened with the NBA. With uh, One of the players said something oh, right. about China. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't like what was going on at the time and in Hong like, Kong. Got to go over and kiss the ring. That's, yeah. That leads to... Uh, that always leads to problems. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could draw direct correlations of the rise of Hitler with people not wanting to speak up because they were worried about their their place yeah. or money or that kind of thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, it was good having you. No, I'm just Yeah, kidding. thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, how you and I got connected is that I just recorded uh, my stand-up special. So I was traveling around the country, still am, but um, I recorded it two or three weeks ago in Anaheim. That was my show number 109 and 110 for, for the year. So it really helped me. I was in really good shape. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I actually got off um, and, and off tour and I had two weeks before my show. So then I quickly added three shows in LA right up till that. So I was just kind of going in on a high rather than going in without you know, without being warmed up. Right. You know, two weeks off, you kind of go in there a little rusty. Mm. And so I was talking to Bert Kreischer and he had suggested, I kind of told him what I was doing. He's like, I think you need to have Greg uh, direct it. And I called up, you, you, I, I emailed you and you're like, I think you got the wrong person. Hey, I'm not a director. <laughs> I'm not a director. <laughs> but, but I think his idea was he's like, he's like, he should be. He knows enough people. He knows enough about it. You know, Nick, who I think is still sitting there. So when I had mentioned, told the story to Nick and I said I was talking to him, he was like, wait, you're, you're talking to Greg? Sorry, I'm embarrassing the shit out of him. I'm like, yeah. He's like, no, he's he's literally one of the best comics ever. Oh, that's so, no, thank you, Nick. Yeah, man. Oh, Gary, yeah. Kevin, whatever your name is. <laughs> I called him the wrong name before. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where he came up with this plan. He's like, I'm going to take the recorder from Zane's house. <laughs> And so, oh, yeah. I have it. I'll drop yeah. it off. Yeah. At the same time that Greg gets there. Right. Whoops. Good to meet you. Best friends. I don't know. <laughs> I think it, it could still work out. There's still time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, like, I get it. And do you not understand why, like, he was just like, maybe you should. Well, I'm flattered. I mean, it's something that uh, I think if I had a different brain, I would go in that direction because I love stand up. I've been doing it for a long time. So hopefully I have some understanding of it. But. I don't have, I have ADHD. Yeah. And I just, uh, I don't think I could handle 
the all the moving parts of directing that it would take? I mean, so what I ended up doing, which I'm 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 now challenged the changing your 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 thinking of this is what I ended up doing was obviously watched a ton of specials, and then I did it myself, but I just put people in place. And then work through it of like, here's what I want it to look like. Right. And then they make it happen. Here's where the stage and here's this and here's what I'm thinking about for lights. But go find someone who's amazing and have him come in and do what he thinks worked works. Tell him what I say and then see if he agrees. If he doesn't, don't make him feel like he needs to stick to this. Right. And then found a location, worked with them and, and, and then, you know, got just the best people in place so that the day that I walked in there, I didn't have to worry about a thing. Right. We had a we had a line cut, so someone that was doing you know um, a technical director who was you know picking the camera angles. They were all communicating. So like at the end of the day, I just brought in the right people. But it's based off of you know I'm I I've done stand up before, took a, a long hiatus, and then I'm back out there. But it's just based off of what I know. But I think that what you know, if you just had the right people in place, you could do it. I would love, I mean, I would love doing it. I'm starting to see some comics. Like I know Neil Brennan has been directing some and he's- You said Bobcat. Bobcat's really good at it. But then if you know this, then maybe don't say it. But if you don't know it, then then guess what he, he makes for to direct. Bobcat? It's like six figures, right? Oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I know. I think I sent you his way and you were like, no, no I'm working in a no. bar. I'm shooting in a I, pub. Yeah. I was kind of thinking you might come and do it for free or maybe, Greg, you could pay me a little bit to do it. I'm not sure how that would work. But I don't know. I no, don't know. it's good money if you do it. And also, like, when you direct things, I know with episodic TV, when you direct, you get you get a percentage of ownership of the show. Oh, really? So, like, James Burroughs, you'll notice a lot his name on a lot of mm-hmm. uh, television pilots. Like, the first... How it works is like oh, I see. during pilot season, say you pitch a show yeah. and you get it on the air and they say we're going to shoot a pilot and then and then we'll decide in six months whether or not that pilot becomes a TV show. Yeah. So it's a lottery ticket. But James Burroughs will come in and, you know, James Burroughs, who is like, you know, the most famous TV director yeah. of all time. And he will come in and he will direct two or three pilots a year. And then if that if your pilot gets picked up, and it goes goes to series, and it stays on the air for seven years, and there's crazy back-end money. Yeah. He doesn't ever have to direct another episode. If he did the pilot, mm-hmm. he gets a percentage point on that show, literally will make $50 million yeah. on a show that he just spent a week working yeah. on as a director. And you fought me on it. And I fought you on. I could have had a pee. I could have had a case of beer every had, time you, you performed. You could have had a piece. You know what? You know what? Ten percent of nothing is. Yeah. Right. A right. lot. I don't even want to do the math. No. Um. And so, and and this is something that that I I think came from Nick's mouth, and he can he can tell me if if he said this, but Bert I think also said it as well. It's like yeah, Greg is the comedian's comedian. Mm. What does that mean? It means that more comedians come in the room to see me than audience members. <laughs> Nick, do you, do you think that that came out of your mouth, that phrase that I said? I said grossly underrated. Oh, thank you. Wow. Thank you. I feel like I am grossly underrated. I, I, remember, I remember the word gross. <laughs> yeah, I would say you that I, I, you know, the thing about comedy is, um, you know, you just never know who's going to blow up and play theaters. You know, there's certain people that play theaters right. that you go like, all right, I get that. Like you see Sebastian and he's a guy that you could legitimately say, okay, that's a Madison square garden show. He's big. He's physical. He's, you know, broad. Yeah. Um, but then you see somebody else who has a huge following and not naming names, but you kind of scratch your head and go like, and not to say that they're not funny and they're getting laughs, but that why did that person yeah. accrue this giant following? Right. Uh, it's really, and you know, and I've been doing it for a lot of years and I still think there's an X factor to it that there's like, you've got a really great following, mm-hmm. you know, and you've got people that they, they, there's something about you that they connect to that you represent to them. I mean, it's obviously a part of your shows are obviously beyond a stand-up show. It's like a mm. party. People sure. are coming out and they're experiencing, um, you know, a collective feeling of like we're we can all be identified by certain things. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so you're their leader for we, that night. We drink too much, but in this room, we don't drink enough. Yeah, yeah exactly. That kind of That's yeah, good. That's summing up. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think with me, I never really was, I never really landed on something. I've always just written jokes. I've talked about my life, but I never have, I think, been somebody that you could call a brand. Have you ever, um, did you ever get to a point that you were doing jokes and then you started putting more of yourself into it? Because there was kind of a time, if, if you've been here for 30 years, was it more joke telling at that point? Like, okay, you had Stanhope on your on your uh, Fitzdog show. Right. And he was talking about the fact that um, he gets compared to announce the other comedian who died when he was 30, 32 or 34 years old. Bill, 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 Bill Hicks. Hicks. Bill Hicks. And he was saying, he's like, he's like, I get what people say that, but he's like, the difference is, is that Bill told jokes and I give a piece of myself. Right, Not to right, say the right, one's right. better than the other, yeah. but, but there is, there was a shift in that. Right. Right. I think that for me, I started out as a pure joke writer for sure, which is why I ended up writing. I've, I've written for TV a lot over mm -hmm. the last 20 years. I've written for a lot of comedians and I think that. I've had the ability to just write cold, hard jokes, mm -hmm. which is how I started. And then in New York in about 1995, I started doing like the alternative comedy scene as it sprung up, which mm -hmm. was Luna Lounge. And it was the state and the UCB and Mark Marin and uh, Louie and Todd Barry and Amy Poehler and Sarah Silverman. And there was all these people that were really going personal that we're going on stage and it became much more of a monologue mm -hmm. and i embraced it and i really went wow this is these crowds are so good that you don't have to keep pounding them with jokes you can actually kind of like take a breath and mm -hmm. lay something out for a little bit longer before you hit the punchline mm -hmm. or if there even is a punchline right. or and so I started to really get excited about writing down a set. I would do it almost every Monday night. So I would be on the road all weekend. I'd fly back on Sunday. And then I would kind of think of new stuff. I, but, but it was more from my life. And so I you were working out stuff in the clubs and doing the tried and true on the road? It became both. Okay. I would like, I would do all, like the thing about Luna Lounge was you had to do a completely different set every time you went on. Oh, that's dope. Okay. So it's 10 minutes of stuff that was brand new. Oh. And then out it's, of it's that. A little bit more permission to, to bomb. Like it's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. And so then I would take the stuff out of that that worked, which was maybe a minute. Mm -hmm. And you would take that to Indianapolis that weekend and you'd maybe turn it into two minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you go back on Monday night and you do another 10 minutes. But I started to do the more personal stuff into my standup mm -hmm. and it started to become more about my life. Uh, but maybe my life isn't that interesting. Well, you can always take, you can always take parts of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a matter of like, like, God, you know, Maria Bamford is the, talk about underrated, the most underrated comedian in the country. And she goes up there. She checked herself into a mental institution with depression and, and unwanted thoughts. Mm -hmm. Like she talks in her stand up mm -hmm. about, you know, having sexual thoughts about dismembering somebody and having sex with the dismembered body. Like, and this is this girl with the blonde hair and the blue eyes mm -hmm. and the Midwestern accent mm -hmm. and the sweet voice. And, but the raw fucking honesty and the, um, how unique her story is makes her just like the perfect comedian, you know? Um, her specials are riveting. Mm -hmm. I had a I had a van load of guys. We all went up on a camping trip together a couple summers ago, and we were driving driving home. And I said, uh, and they said, "Hey, Greg, who should we all listen to that we haven't heard?" And I said, "Put on Maria Bamford." And they said, "Which album?" I go, "Any album." Mm -hmm. And they put one on. It was her most recent one, and they were howling. And at the end of it, they were all obsessed with. To this day, uh -huh. they're all obsessed with Maria Bamford. Uh -huh. And these are guys that have nothing in common with her. Right. These are middle-aged right. men. Right. And uh, so so I think about, um, you know, you and I talked before the show about how deep you want to go and like in, t in terms of how much I talk about my kids, mm -hmm. you know, and um, yeah, there's stuff about my kids that's really fascinating and some of it's troubling and some of it's wonderful mm -hmm. and, and I don't fully bring it on stage out of, 
the fact that I put myself as a father, I yeah. think, before I put myself as a comedian. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had um I put up this this thing that happened the other day and someone was asking and so we 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 rescue animals. And so we we've had we've been doing it for about five years. We've had four hundred cats and dogs. No, in, you haven't. Yes. Really? Right now. Did you take a photo of each one? Yeah. On my wife's Instagram. There you can see them all. Um, it, three came in here while you, you were telling yeah. us you didn't even know they were here. They're like, who the fuck's that? Yeah. Uh, and then you met Tula. But like, um, and then our my dog passed away. And my dog was a big Irish wolfhound. And he was so sweet. And he was 185 pounds. He was on his back like six foot dogs. four. And he was just so beautiful. Wow. And we get stopped um, walking the dog every day. Sometimes we would just walk it at night so that people wouldn't stop, which was yeah. fine, whatever. One time I was playing in my front yard before I had the the gate and all that shit there and i was just playing with him and he's just lumbering around he's huge and this car pulls over and it was um nicole ritchie and i guess joel madden her husband and then another car pulled over and it was oscar nunez from the office <laughs> just that i'm like what the and, and they're all just sitting here playing with the dog. I'm like, that was a very like, this is so fucking la so weird but that was him it wasn't me, That's right? A, it's like hanging out with Bert Kreischer. It's exactly, yeah. yeah. I would say it's like walking Brad Pitt. People have to like, hey, whatever. Yeah. And and so he went to the groomer in December and had a heart attack and died. Oh. And the groomer actually took care of it. And, and you know, he's he's now in a box behind me. But, you know, I I, I, have, I can't let myself at, at, at times just go there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so somebody on stage said, I do a Q&A before my show. And this guy said... Before your show. I do one before my show. Wow. And then I, for like the VIP, and then I go back and and for 45 minutes or an hour and just, you know, do whatever I need to do. And then I come back out for a a more full crowd. Um, And it's great because I sometimes work out new stuff and I I do crowd work there, which I love. And some guy raised his hand and he's like, uh, he's like, hey man, I was sorry to hear about your, your, your dog. I'm like okay like i was just gonna let it go and he's like i know how much it must be hard on you i'm like yeah is this something you want to bring up before a comedy show (laughs) he's like well you got that that new dog right isn't that how's that one going i'm like well the dog we had to give away thanks buddy i appreciate that and then he's like and i'm like my dad died my dad died too what do you want to talk about here which is like again you understand that you can't you gotta like you gotta keep it light and have it fun so anyway i posted that and it did well. I wasn't sure if people were going to be like, dude, that was so mean to the guy. But yeah, everyone was yeah. kind of on my side. Right. And he even, the guy the guy who said it actually was wrote something. And I was like, you know, he came up afterwards and stuff. But yeah. yeah. You, you just, that's one of those things like it. And, and I don't, I, it might be a sign of the times about just people want, they want a little bit of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you do the jokes and stuff like that, no, they want something that no one else has gotten. They want something that is unique. They want it. They want a little peek inside. Mm-hmm. And so you start doing that, mm-hmm. you know? And then Nick but, too, and, and his bit too, he's he's starting to explore that, really really letting people in, you know? Well, when he comes out with the homosexuality, I think he's going to really catapult. Yeah. Yeah. Got that, Nick? He's got his book down. He's he's writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> right gay jokes. Right gay jokes. Yeah, um, they're a hit. But then you can get addicted to it, and you see some comics, and it's like I don't oh. want to see your afterbirth, and I, you know, like, uh, I mean, I guess for you know, you can make an argument that it's it's you know helpful to some people. Well, there's too and, much of anything. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, yeah, like we were talking about, you gotta you gotta keep the curtain there. You kind of you gotta keep some shit behind the Something. curtain. Isn't that what like stand-up is about don't all stand-ups have something fundamentally wrong with them yeah you know what i mean i mean like my wife we have to do a wedding and she's got to get up and she's got she's got to say something and she's terrified yeah petrified she literally would she'd rather like break her hand that day so she wouldn't have to go yeah she most people don't want to do what it is that we do but then also there's some public speaking that i'm not very comfortable with but that I am comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And there's something wrong with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, you have ADHD. So do I. Probably most mm-hmm. do, I think, yeah. on, on, on some level. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, chem- There's a lot of chemistry that goes into what makes somebody want to get up and perform and yeah. seek that and to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And and then when you get off, to kind of not be in a way yeah, sometimes. You know? Right. To pull back and, and to, to be and to be space. shy. Like how are yeah, you shy right. a person and like whatever? So Right. I know. That's something that I always battle with. Like when you were talking about doing a Q and A 
before the show, I thought I could never do that. I uh. need to be like, I'll go to uh, like, I was just in San Diego this weekend and my nephew who I love and I love to be around. He was with his girlfriend who I know and I like her and mm -hmm. he's with a couple friends. He's like, Hey, let's meet for dinner before the show cannot do that no yeah. i need to and it's not like i sit there you know listening to old sets and writing the moment up to the stage time John but i Denver just hymns or something but i just can't get gut punched by somebody saying something that is going to throw me off and then i'm like why the fuck are they here mm -hmm. you know after the show i'm great i'm mm -hmm. high I, i'm ready to sell my merch meet yeah. you take selfies yeah. mm -hmm. hang out yeah, yeah maybe yeah. even have a drink with yeah. somebody from the audience yeah. sometimes uh -huh. you know uh -huh. but i can't do shit before the show yeah 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 it's funny i mean i've kind of you know for me it's almost a little bit of a of a uh i don't know I think the, the right word is like it's it's it softens it a little bit because I kind of get come out and get to know people a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, some people will say things like I had someone say, but actually no, in, in that I usually come out and just kind of like do some, I do some stuff first. I, I kind of say things about, Hey, ask me any question you want. Like there's no dumb questions, you know, and you know, let's ask me anything, but you know, how many people show up for that? Mm, so most. So if we have like, 250 people like 170 are there for that and then they come for how long is the pre-show the pre-show is like uh so they arrive at six and six to six thirty is a q a so six six thirty to seven is q a then the the general mission comes in at seven then i go back on stage at eight so i definitely go back and just like chill but yeah. I, you know i, I just kind so of... these other people show up at six o'clock mm -hmm. or six thirty yeah and they stay until the show ends at nine yeah but it's at a brewery yeah it's a really unique situation that's true because you know i, I cracked the code and every comedian should be doing it but at least i at least i now have relationships with the ones that I want to be performing at, you know? And now, like, Sam Adams reached out to me, and they have a huge space and huge marketing. But there's no, there's no secret. I, I take the door. Yeah. They take the bar. Right. That's it. There's... Simple. They, they promote, I promote. There's no there's no promoter. We, we, had to, we were going to do one with a promoter once, and they came in, and they're like, all right, we'll, we'll take half, and then you'll do this, and da-da-da. I'm just like okay, wow, you're really breaking the model here, you know? Yeah, so they basically just have you doing your own social media to promote anyway. I come on. So so that's all this beer. So they, so I'm going to uh, uh, Dying Breed Brewing. Uh -huh. So it's a beer, and I'll like say, hey, I'm going here, I'll crack it open, go here, whatever, I'll post it, they'll post it, people yeah. will share it. Local brewing community might get into it, and then yeah. I'll take a picture, and they'll post that, and whatever, and yeah, it's like, it's just, it's it's been working. And we've had like, you know, like in Chicago and Houston, we we sold out 300. It's yeah. all the brewery could take. I yeah, mean, you know. And then we added on an extra day and did another. That's another great. Show. So it's, and it's and it's it's my uh, it's my people. You right. know what I mean? Right. So it's just oh, it's, it's such a difference when you do like there's some clubs that I work that are like you know 500 600 seats and i'm not i can't sell five shows at five or 600 seats not you know not even close so half the crowd is either free passes or they're people that are just coming in because it's the comedy club in coming town, to see so comedy yeah yeah and that compared to like i just worked in san diego which is like a 250 seat room but everybody that's there is there to see me and yeah. the difference in show is you can't even compare oh. and one of them i don't want to get off stage i i feel like i can talk about like luna lounge it's mm -hmm. like it was like that kind of support where you can just talk and you can do crowd work and and they get it you can go further with your crowd work i can be more abrasive mm -hmm. because they get that that's what my personality and, and, is and that's what mine is every yeah, night right and like i i i finished my i did my show my tv special and then i i i was doing it almost verbatim you know, up until like like a month and a half before that, right? Tweaking things and remember what I tweaked and just getting it so it was just polished as you know as as could be. And now, you know, for me that's that stuff is done. Now people haven't seen it yet, so I can still do that material. Yeah. But I'm now working out my new stuff because I want to do another special in a year. And so <laughs> one of the shows I was at, I'm like, 
you guys want to hear my new stuff? And they're like, yeah. I go, I didn't finish. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, we don't yeah, care. Yeah. And so right. I brought out 12 pages of paper and we're uh-huh. reading through it, checking yeah. stuff off. And then I went into some of my stuff that I, I know works. Right. And they had just as much fun. That is the amazing thing I find is like, I can remember, I don't know if it was Seinfeld or somebody talking about how when they go on the on the road, they would never they would never make the crowd sit through new stuff that they do that in the local club. It's like, I find like you do, like they love it when I mm-hmm. when I pull up. I always have a piece of paper in my back pocket with bullet points mm-hmm. for new jokes. Mm-hmm. You got and I, and I'll I'll do I'll do a half hour of stuff that is you know that I that I've been doing that's mm-hmm. working. And I'll go. You want to try some new stuff? Yeah, because by then they're like into it right. and they love that they're getting to see you work on new stuff. And they get the tone and, yeah. and, and they're warm and they're ready for it. And yeah. then you do 10 minutes of that and then you go back and you do another 15, 20 minutes of the killer stuff and yeah. then everybody goes home a winner. Do you do crowd work? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, how, how much or do you like... Is it depends it- on the show. Like if, if it's... Uh, Saturday early show and it's packed and it, the energy's there. I'm not going to do a ton of crowd work, but fr- Friday night late show when everybody's drunk right. and they're going to interrupt half your jokes anyway. And there's people coming in late and someone's getting thrown out. Like that's the wild west. And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I enjoy those shows just as much, but I'm doing way more crowd work. All right. I heard a rumor from Nick uh, <laughs> that <laughs> you play this game. You've played this game before. And I think a lot of people play this where someone tells you a word or a phrase when you when you're working with other comedians yeah and they say work this phrase into your act and have you done that no i will just say before i walk on stage i'll say to somebody like i do this at the comedy store a lot i'll be like give me a topic for a joke oh okay topic. got it okay. and then they give me oh, the that's topic harder. and then i walk on stage and i open with that right there yeah right right out of the gate yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah okay i need an example Oh no, I'm not gonna do that on a podcast. No, 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 no. I want an example of one of the ones that you did. Oh, oh, um, oh. I just asked uh, Eddie Pepitone for a topic. Okay. And he said gay weightlifters. <laughs> and wow. so I, so I went on and I was just talking about how, how gay it is. Like you're, you know, it's always two guys at the gym together mm-hmm. and they're spotting each other a lot. Mm-hmm. And one guy's on the bench and the other guy's. He's straddling him. He's got his balls on his face. And he's like, two more. <laughs> and then I did this whole act out of them in the shower, like patting each other on the ass. And and then it progresses from there. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It actually turned into something I used on a, in a show later that week. How about one that didn't work? Oh, God. Or yeah. You, or you flush those out. You no, know, I, I also had one recently where somebody, I, I asked somebody to do it and they fucked me. They said, uh, they said <laughs> cancer. Oh, said cancer. And I tried it. <laughs> and I tried to do jokes about cancer. And uh, they they never. I I wouldn't say never, but I think. Unless there's like a, a, a personal a connection, connection to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You need to access it with something. Yeah. And then it can be very funny. I mean, Julia Sweeney did talked about her cancer for, you know, she did a one woman show right. out of the amount of material she wrote about her cancer. Yeah. And then her recovery from it was a whole other one-woman show that was amazing. I was watching your interview with with Doug Stanhope, and he was like, he was trying to get people to open for him that wouldn't necessarily be openers. And he texted Bert Kreischer, uh-huh. and then Bert said, "Oh, that'd be funny." And then and then Doug was like, "Okay, when can you do it?" And then Bert never got back <laughs> to him. And and if and if you know Bert, that's what it's happened to everyone. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're just like. What did I do? You just have to flush it yeah. out, whatever. Well, it's amazing because, uh, you know, in this business, it's like, you know, you've got friendships and you've got people that are business relationships and then there's crossover right. and you're always trying to be wary of like not abusing the friendship in service of the career or even at or for a friend. Mm-hmm. But like even... You know, like you asked Bert to do your podcast and, you know, you'd like to have him on as a guest and also you'd love to hang out for an hour. It's a great excuse for two friends to Mm -hmm. sit down and hang out for an hour. Um, But then sometimes you start to feel like, oh, maybe this person doesn't really want to come on the podcast. And (laughs) and I mean, I love doing a podcast, but like that's the one downside is hitting people up and asking them when you're not sure if they're too busy for it. And, uh, 
I don't know. It's I, I love doing them. Because I asked you, and you're like, I don't really have time this month. I'm like, how about next month? You're like, no, it's not a good year for me, bro. <laughs> I uh, didn't say that. And I was like, how about next year? And I get you a date, and you're like, fuck, it's open. All right, bro. I will drive over the hill to your no, stupid place. <laughs> any friend of Bert's, of course, I was go. happy to come on. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I kind of like, I, I, I feel that from doing the podcast. Um, and, but I also, cause my wife's like, you can't Zane, you can't keep asking the same friends. You can't, you, you yeah. know, like, you know, and, and, but it's also, I like having new people on because it's, you know, what other chance would you and I get to just sit down and bullshit for right. a while? You know right. what I mean? It's an excuse. So it's an excuse for Nick to meet his idols. Nick. All right, I'm doing. I'm doing one. I'm one. bringing Nick on the road. You're gonna be calling Nick like, "Come on, we gotta head to the airport." He's back. I'm with Fitzsimmons in Austin right Not now. Not if you fly out LAX. He won't go out of LAX. He won't. Oh, he'll piss and moan. Really? Until you just say, "Fine, we'll fly out of Burbank." Well, I don't understand why anybody in this city would not live near the beach. I mean, you're a beach, a yeah. fucking beach. Oh. And they are beautiful beaches. Santa Monica. Okay. People want to make fun of Venice let's, Beach. Let's just throw this back at you. Okay. When's the last time you were at the beach? I was at the beach this morning. Yeah, you... I was at the beach at 7 o'clock this morning. Because you were chasing a homeless person or a gang member or something away from your trash. It's not like that. You people in the valley love to paint this picture of Uh, Venice as like... How often do you go to the beach? I go a lot. Do you really? I play beach volleyball on Sundays. Oh, shit. All right. You're you're using it. I play paddle tennis usually once a week down there on the beach. In the summer, we go all the time. I could not agree with you more. I could not agree with you more, mm. and which is why we're just trying to get out of here. And Are you trying to move to the beach? No, because we couldn't. We can't afford it now. Damn it! Sure, you can. Look Too at this late. beautiful house. You could sell this house. Well, yeah, and get an apartment down there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we're no, we're trying to move to like Boulder or some oh, places that nice. are just as expensive, and you can't yeah. get anything more for it. So, yeah. um, all right, real, real quick, what do you do when? Um, and I don't know if this is an answer to this. I'm sure you've had this problem before. What do you do when people jump your jokes? I have a joke and I say da 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 da, and and then I, I I pause and then I give my zinger, which always brings down the house. But in that pause, someone always yells out something stupid. Yeah, and that's the thing I was talking about between the Saturday early show and the Friday night late show. Oh. Is those pauses. That's one of those things that, you know, as a comic, you just start to figure out like, okay, I can allow a one second pause on this show. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can do a three second pause on the next show. But on this show, I'm not giving these assholes any room to get in. Yep. Yep. And so I think it just becomes like second nature. And when they do jump in, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just the worst, especially when it was like a really labored setup where uh-huh. you re- and, and, mm-hmm. or like you're talking about abortion or something that's really difficult to do a joke about mm-hmm. and then you get them all the way there and then some asshole thinks he's got a funnier idea than yeah. you are. So I immediately, I rip them apart. Okay. I make an example of them. Okay, so that, I'm, I'm really glad that you say that because I usually do that. I, but because it depends how loud they say it. If they... Nick and I have this debate. Like sometimes it depends how many people hear it. If no one really heard it, or if there's if they said it and no one said anything, let the pause hit for a little longer, and then you do it, and then they feel like an asshole. But I don't think that sends the right message. Um, so sometimes I will stop and destroy them, like, yeah. like, like the guy that I did the other day. But I mean, and you have to do it in fun. You can't. You always have to kind of be in a certain place because you got to keep the energy of the room moving upwards because yes right it and, moves when down, they, and the thing them. about when they step on a joke is that it genuinely does make you angry and you're right, right. if the audience sees that that's like a part of you they can never look behind the curtain and see yeah and so it's like how do i channel this anger in a way and i think one of the secrets to that is always remembering that you're the funny thing right not the material and that ultimately they can step on all the punchlines they want but you're on stage because you have the balls to be the one to get up there right. and, and they so, don't and so you're going to handle this situation in a funny way yeah and at the end of it at the end of the show they're not going to be talking about one joke they're going to be talking about you and mm-hmm. the general experience that they just had yeah so i i think that always helps me yeah. in those moments when i'm when i'm ready to like cuz there's been times where it's gotten a little real yeah 
and and it is it's a mistake that you can't crawl your way out you could be you could be three quarters of the way through a killer set yeah and then if you show your teeth you suddenly they pull back like 50 yeah. percent, and yeah. you just then you have to just like dismount or just yeah like sometimes if i see it i'm like open then huh, like, i just like i claw them back and i get them built really quick or just kind of ignore that it happened and you know it, yeah it's it's a learning curve but you're you know part of it is making those mistakes and keeping it organic if it wasn't different every night it would get boring right exactly and also it's just pointing out the the reality of the moment i mean that's what stand-up is is what's the reality of this moment right, you right. just here's what you just did sir i worked all day i was sleeping in a hotel room so i could be here away from my family yeah so i could service you with a joke that i wrote out and you know why i wrote it out because i've got awards at home about how good of a producer and a writer I am. And instead, you, after four martinis, decided you had a better thought in your frontal cortex and you yelled. And if you just break it down. I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I want to know where this is going. This is amazing. Because I'm like, I'm, I'm saying that. How do we, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just break down what and how does it happened, work? How, do, how does that one work? Is that it, go good or bad? It kills. Okay, that's it good. Kills. Okay, got it. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah got it. Okay. I mean, I think you got to be honest about that you're, that you're upset. But you can't let it be so upset that you lost your balance. Right. You still need to keep your composure. And right. Even though you're yelling at them, it has to be like a joke and you know, yeah, whatever. Do you do you do you like to uh, do you ever watch game tape? What's that? Like, do you ever like watch your your set? To oh, I listen to it? every you set. Listen to it. Okay, got it. Every set since I've started doing stand up comedy, I have a app on my phone and I record and the next day I listen to it and you know I fast forward through the bits that I yeah. know I didn't do anything different in and I'll find like little tags that I might have added oh it's another cat that's, pum- that's pumpkin hey pumpkin he, he, he he's pumpkin who the entire uh, rescue is named after come here oh look at you I'm allergic to you but oh. I look at you <laughs> so Hi, smart beautiful yeah now that you're allergic can I sit on your lap pumpkin Punky, you gotta leave him wow, alone. Wow, the blue eyes with the Come peach here, buddy. colored fur. Hi. Come here. That's a gorgeous cat. I had uh, Tito Ortiz, you know, the MMA guy? Yeah. Comes in here, big guy. He's got to fight the next week in, in, in probably a $10,000 suit and a, and a black MAGA hat on, a Mexican American guy. It was a, the whole thing I was very confusing. Um, and he, he went on uh, Apprentice with Trump and had like a personal connection to him. And that's oh, why he, really? That's why he was supporting okay. him and feels like Trump gave him advice that helped him out. Anyway, but he, he's a fighter and he's just like, he's, you know, this is a pretty intense guy. And then Pumpkin walks in. I'm like, okay, here we go. And jumps on his lap. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, I love cats. I'm like, all right, I don't fucking get you, bro. I don't understand you. You know what I mean? Dude, that was the genius of the Godfather. What's that? On the on the the first scene oh, of The Godfather, when yeah. he's at, it's his daughter's wedding, yeah, and he's sitting there, and people are coming to him asking for him to murder people, uh-huh. and as he's hearing them, the cat, and this actually happened in the filming of The Godfather, the cat was the set designer's cat, and it was on set, and it happened to jump up on Brando's lap as they were starting to tape, and 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 um, they were like, all right, f- cut, and he's like, no, 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 no. I can use this. And Brando kept the cat on his lap oh, and stroked is, him throughout the whole scene. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So it's like, it's the the murder on one side and, and it's the soft side yeah. for, you know, innocence, the other right, side. Right, right. Oh, that's amazing. All yeah. right. Well, good. Now the cats are starting to come in. I'll hold them back. You're allergic. Um, dude, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. This Thanks was, for this, having this me, man. This was amazing. I'd yeah. love to have you back and and, and, and I'll, I'll tell people what your dates are and if they want to go to uh, gregfitzsimmons.com yep. your shows are there. Fantastic. So good, man. Thank All you. Right. Thank you, thank Thanks, you so man. much. You got it. Oh, hello. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by pleplius.com. That's P-L-E-E-P-L-E-U-S dot com. <laughs> All right. How do you think that interview went, Steve? I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was engaging. Dude. Uh, very engaging. You did a nice job. Uh, great guy. For people at um, home listening, I, I don't know. Steve has not seen that interview. And also, I don't think Steve has ever watched one of these podcasts or listened to these podcasts at all. You have no idea. I can talk as much shit about you in the podcast or on stage because you, you, know, you don't go. So by the way, no. For people, I started at the beginning of the show about this. You didn't come to my special. You weren't on the special. And on, at the end of the day, not not a dig on you. I'm glad because it, it's it, so funny, dude. I didn't. It's where like, it should be. The day 
the day before your special, I'm like, I better call him, you know, make sure he's ready, you know, see what's going on, see how things, the prep's going. The day of the special, I'm like, I better give him a call, wish him good luck, you know, just hope, break a leg. The day after the special, I'm like, oh my God, I better call and see how it went. And I, I just, I never called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were thinking Sorry, about bro. it. How, how was it? The, the issue is with you, Steve, you got to either write it down. And by the way, I'm not terribly dissimilar. I email myself all day long. I send myself 10 emails a day. And my to-do list, yeah. I open it up and my email, and it, it's it's going to sit in my inbox until I do the task and I can delete it. I know there's other software and shit like that, but that's how I operate and it works for me. So I'm not going to change it. For you, you need to either email yourself, write it down, which I don't even know if you know how to write, and then uh, or just do it when you think of it. Well, that that is true also, but also I'm just... I just do too. I have too much that I'm doing. Yeah, that's like, exactly I, I, I have to, the point. I have to learn to say no. I got to learn to say no. I just I say yes to everybody, oh, everything, except for me. Time, you say no to me. Like, you say no to me well, all the time. I just started saying no. Yeah, no, just, no, no. You didn't. You did much. No, you just started ignoring. Uh, two quick stories. Um, do you remember? So, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. It's so funny when when you try and call me and I'm like I'm really busy and and I can't pick up your call. You like call me back again. You don't fucking screen my call again. Da, 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 da. I'm like, I wasn't screening your call. I just didn't answer it. It's screening. Because like, oh you God. see that it's me. If it was somebody else, you would have picked it up. <laughs> no, that's not the truth. But you think it is. And, yeah. I, and I feel so bad. I pick up the phone. I'm like, yo, you're like, motherfucker, don't you ever screen my call again. I'm like, what are you talking about? Who is this? Never, oh Steve. Never. Okay at home, bro. Oh never. Um, all right. Every single time. You and I were golfing years ago, and I hit a a drive. Then I sat down in the cart, and then you hit a drive, and you crushed it. And I was like, "Yeah, right." I was like, "Yeah, buddy, nice shot, woo, whatever," because you crushed it. And some, yeah. and then you sit down in the golf cart, and we were about to take off. And then some guy at the next hole is like, if you yell during my swing, like you did during my buddies, I'll fucking come over there. And I look at him like, did he just fucking say that? And you, behind me, leaned in front of me so you could see the guy and you go, fuck you, motherfucker. And the guy's like, all right. And, he just, and the guy drove away. It was so good. Do you remember it? I, I guess barely. I, oh my God. I remember you've told that story before. It was, but I, it was, it was great. It was great. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna tell you this quick little thing. It's insignificant. I was gonna tell you this anyway, but because you are a contractor now, you don't deal on this kind of shit. So this is more of a handyman kind of a thing. But okay. I go back to my mom's house, and she's got a new mm -hmm. puppy. Okay, and she doesn't want to go upstairs, so she has two dog doors, uh, dog gates. One going to the hallway, one going to the dining room, so that the dog stays okay. in, the, in the downstairs area. And right. um, the one going into the dining room is like a gate. You you you. Hold, pull the thing and you open it you walk in it's like you don't even have to, you need to slow down as you walk in the other one right. that goes to the hallway is like a fabric one that recoils like a like a is like a venetian blind or whatever that coils up you know like it kind of like has a spring loaded and you pull it out like like one it when it can walk right through if it was a bigger dog yeah it could probably like step over it or just kind of claw through it but anyway, it's it was a pain in the ass because you got to bring it out and it's kind of like fighting you the whole time. Then you have to click it in the bottom and then click it in the top. And if like, you know, you're drunk or something like that, it just yeah. takes a while. And so I was like, Mom, can I just go by you? Because I, I was home for five days. I, I went there after the Buffalo show. And then I stayed there. We went to Rochester, did the Syracuse show. I had two days off, then drove to Albany that day. So I got to have spend five days with my mom, which was great. Wow. And, and I was That's like, a long time. it was nice. It was fantastic. And she's like, do you want to go visit so-and-so? When I'm like, honestly, mom, I just want to hang out with you. We can go for walks. We can play Scrabble. We can watch movies. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I need to entertain people or I, or I have to see people. Go I was see in town. everybody. It's terrible. Everyone came to my show. It was my 50th birthday. It was super fun. And then it was Great. done. It was done. Everybody, everyone, that, everyone that mattered for the most part or, or in general was there. And so yeah. I was like, hey, mom. Why don't I go by? Because she had a, she has a pain with it too, with that door. So I was like, why don't I just go replace that door? I'll go get a baby gate, put a new one in. She's like, no, it's fine. I'm like, you hate it. She's like, yeah, but it just it costs so much to install. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I'm like, how much did it cost to install it? She said, two hundred fifty bucks. 
was like, Mom, I don't understand what you're talking about. It's like it's got eight screws. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four on either side, and then that's it. It just screws in. Oh my god! And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, the guy came and and you know he was here, and I was on a Zoom call with my friends, and I didn't really pay attention. I forgot that he was even here. And I went in, he was still reading the instructions. He was here for two and a half hours and he charged $100 an hour. And I was like, mom, you could hand me a closed box and that door, that thing is hanging, directions and all, 15, 20 minutes tops. That's what any guy should be able to do it in. And I was like, who recommended you? She's like, oh, the hardware store, but it's okay. I don't wanna say anything. I'm like, "Mm -mm, I'm sorry. You gotta give me this guy's number. So I called the guy and I was like, "Hey, you installed a do- dog door. It was 250 bucks for you know. Took you two hours, two and a half hours. Oh you, you remember this? He's God, he's, like, he's like he's like he's r- like vaguely. I go vaguely. All right, it was a month ago. So yeah, so you came in and my my elderly mom uh, ended up paying you 250 bucks to install this door that should have taken you a half an hour max. And he's like, "Can I uh, call you later?" I'm like, "Yeah, I would suggest I would suggest you do." And so oh I, God. so then I called the hardware store and basically said, "What's going on?" Actually, before they hung up, the guy hung up, I go, "Yeah, you can call me back, but you should know that I'm on to you." And I, I was, I would, I would absolutely call me back if you, you know, when you're oh my done. God, you're like the handyman police. <laughs> you look. I know people try to take care, of, take advantage of the elderly all the time, but on this case, when he's standing in her her kitchen and says, "Okay, that'll be two hundred fifty bucks," and you have a nearly eighty year old woman who's like. What am I gonna do? Argue with this guy? Like this guy, and I'm alone in my house. I go first of all, mom, you never be alone Jeez. in your house. You invite your sister over, or or or, or, or my sister, or anybody. Yeah, don't to, let a handyman there. in there. Yeah, and so the guy calls me back. He's like, he goes, I'm about 30 seconds from your house. So just come by and we can talk it through. I'm like, all right. So I was like, I just got back from the gym. I'm all sweaty. I'm in a tank top. I'm like, I'm. I put on a shirt. I didn't walk out there in a fucking tank top. Wife beater. Oh and my God. and what I walk out. On? I walk out there, and I'm like, I'm ready for shit to go down because, like, if he wants to argue with me, like, you need to throw down with a handyman. I don't fucking care. And he gets oh out of his God. and he gets out of his truck, and before I can even say anything, he hands me two hundred bucks. Oh my God! And he goes, really? and he goes, it's only money. I go, okay, but got. He goes, we're good. And he's like, but da da da. I'm like. He's like, he's like, but you understand, understand. She agreed to my rate. I go, you, you want to talk this over? Because, because we're done. And left, and, be, and he's like, he's like, because she didn't even know how to do it. I go, that's why she called you. You're the expert. He's like, well, who's an expert installing a, a baby gate? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly the point. You don't need to be. So, oh my goodness, that is crazy. Your yeah. poor mom. I know. And I was like, I almost didn't do it because I don't want some guy. Well, here's what I did. I was like, I don't want some guy having a vendetta and just feeling like he didn't win. Sure. So I took a hundred back. I go, you take that. He was like, no, I go, you take that. I got this. We're done. Thank you. That's it. Because, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't like the, the brainiac that well, I was you, ex- hoping that he was going to be like to actually have like a, you know, just, he, he just got caught and that was it. That's all there. He was done, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's totally taking advantage. And maybe what you can do is you can reach out to some people in the area, find your mom like a go-to guy that's vetted yeah. out that you know that one of your other friends well, knows and one of her other my, friends my, knows. My brother, my brother-in-law lives, you know, like seven minutes from her house. Uh, like, just make a list for him. Like, have him come over once a month. He's got to be here for, you know, whatever. He used to live in your house, Mom. <laughs> they used to live here. They used to have their office here, you know? Anyway, it's it's a stupid story, but look, if someone listening has an elderly parent or is getting to that place themselves or is a woman like that needs some stuff done, like don't be afraid to call somebody that you know. It doesn't even need to be like a younger person or, you know, a dialed in person. Um it just it's just someone you know. Just, you need just, some accountability. Yeah, just don't don't have anybody come to your house by yourself. Like when I watch a show, yeah, I watch my, my wife's watching Longmire, and the guy shows up. He's like, "Hi, uh, hi, I'm uh, uh, Police Chief Randall from two towns over. Can I come in?" She's like, "Sure, come on in." Like, what, no, what are you talking about? Absolutely, no, ask man. someone for their ID or talk to them through closed door or step outside and have a conversation with them. Don't don't invite a stranger yeah. into your house. If anything, not because something super bad is going to go bad, but like, what was my mom going to say 
to a 40-year-old man, you know, standing in her kitchen that was too stupid to be able to follow instructions on putting in a fucking baby gate that, that I mean, yeah. it, it's not fucking rocket science. And the guy didn't even know how, well, to, how to lock it, so the thing kept coming out too long. And he's like, I don't know right. how to do it. And she's like, and she read it. She's like, oh, press this button. So how much did you charge her for that? Anyway, just. God. Well, thank God it all went down the way it did. And you didn't get out and get into some confrontation with the guy. I know. I know. You know hopefully he never comes back. Hopefully there That's are the no. That's the thing. I, 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 I spent $100 to ensure that he that he doesn't come right. back. Yeah, that was a good play. He, yeah. you know. That was that was good of him to you know admit that he did wrong, give you the money back, and then you kind of met him in the middle. So yeah, that's good. good I, I, I had like I had like you know what's happened. I had like two months of of um, like I was doing a special. I don't want people to think I'm getting in scuffles. I'm not fucking you know. I don't know. I know who the analogy is, but but like like what? we're not in college anymore, bro. You I know. I know. <laughs> hey. Steve, so good having you back. We'll talk to you next week.